Welcome to For the Record, an unfiltered view on current trends and timeless advice for surviving in the aesthetics industry. Whether you're an injector, practice owner, sales rep, or marketer, it's time to set the record straight. Each week, we cut through the chaos and showcase diverse perspectives and winning ideas from the best minds in the industry. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Hall, Chief Growth Officer at Aesthetic Record. Now, let's get started on this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of For the Record. And today we have a big treat, one that I've looked forward to for a few weeks. It's going to be a hopefully fun, exciting, hilarious episode. We have with us today Jessica Mangus, who is a nurse practitioner and the founder of Lux Injectables in Clearwater in Miami. She's also an apparel queen, the Botox dealer. She is a um, aerial silks guru as well and a yogi. And she's also a national trainer for Mint, for Prolinium, and for MERS. And she's really everywhere all the time on Instagram doing all kinds of national events and national trainings. She has, I don't know, 115-something thousand Instagram followers, our most famous guest to date, if you will. And she's here with us today, and I'm excited to have her. So welcome, Jessica. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. And if you guys are listening, you can't see this, but she has this fabulous pink hair and a pink suit on, looking very fresh. I envy your your knack for color. I can't do it, but <laughs> you you look fabulous. So you said you had some headshots done today. Tell us about that. I want to know to start out here about getting your headshots. What are you taking pictures for? Yes. So I needed new photos because I'm going to be in Tampa Magazine coming up. So they're going to be doing like the best of, and I was like, it's perfect to be in that issue. And I'm also up for nominations for best of the Bay, best med spa and best Instagrammer. Well, you get our vote for best Instagrammer because your Instagram is crazy. I remember a few years, maybe a year ago when they shut you down and it was like sheer chaos and madness. So I want to I'm going to jump ahead to that right now because I was just thinking about this today. <laughs> People like you, it's like a full time job. I mean, you have crazy amounts of followers. How in in the world do you manage all the things that you're doing plus running basically a full time Instagram business? So it definitely was a transition. When I was working for somebody, I could put a lot more time into the Instagram because I would come home, be able to put my videos and photos together, and I didn't have that side of running the business. So when I started my own business, my own med spa, definitely I had to really figure out where I needed to focus my time. (laughs) But it's something I enjoy. So a lot of people are like, oh, you should let somebody else, you know, take over the Instagram and take that off your hands. But it's something that really helps me creatively. So I've always loved to put the videos together. I love putting photos together because that's truly where I'm learning as an injector as well, because I can really see what I did with that person, maybe what I would change next time. So I just think over time, it really evolved as like helping me become where I am today. Yeah, and I, you know, I watch your Instagram feed. I watch everyone's Instagram feed all the time, but and you see it evolve. You know, I see you go from 
time with your son to, I have to tell you, I'm obsessed with your silk aerial stuff because I have no flexibility. I'm like, oh my God, how does she do that stuff? But I see that, you know, your real life, which I think is very compelling. As I think about injectors in our industry who people fall in love with, it's because they fall in love with their real human side. Not only being a great injector, you know, great with threads, but also having like a human element to you, I think is what people, it's what turns them on. You know, I think it's what what makes people want to come back and keep looking at your feet all the time. So you're doing a great job at it. Obviously, the numbers prove that for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I first started Instagram with my yoga Instagram. So I was really big into it after I had my son. It was kind of how I would meet other mothers. So we did family yoga. I became a huge yogi and then I found aerial yoga. So I'm actually a certified teacher in aerial and I started performing. So it was really a huge part of my life. And I would post all of my photos and videos from aerial and yoga. And then when I started getting a little bit busier as an injector, I'm like, I really need to focus on my career and building that Instagram. So it truly helped me transition because I was already keeping up with posting every day. I was already like figuring out how to put content together. And I always am around very creative people. So I think that helps me too. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is, you know, I talked to a lot of injectors, you know, physicians, nurses, PAs, the whole gamut, and you're all creative. All of you have this knack in your brain that's like, you're both left-brained and right-brained. I think about all of medicine. Our specialty is the one that's like you have to be left and right-brained to, to survive here, you know. But you're all creative. Like from an early age, we were just like, you know, I want to be an artist. I want to build and create and, and shape the world. Or is this like a thing that you found later in life? Um, I was always an artist. Um, I was always different. So I was the one that wanted to wear something definitely <laughs> more showy or neon or shorts for like graduation and my mom would yell at me like why are you wearing that but I was just a little bit more out there with my fashion and my hair and slowly that just like evolved as I just learned to kind of accept myself because of course when you're a little different than everybody when you're younger you kind of are like oh wow like I need to fit in and now I realize it's really what put me apart from everybody else. Well, if you guys haven't seen it, go to her Instagram right now to at Injector Jess and then go to her website and look at this incredible picture of her and this like super sexy nurse's uniform. I don't know. It's fantastic. <laughs> but I look at you and think, you know, I'm a person who has done a lot professionally, but I have nowhere near the confidence. Like having the cool hair and the cool clothes and the, you know, all the cool pictures and things. I don't have that knack. You know, I, I don't have that in me. I'm so, I'm such a prude about things. And so like, self-conscious. So I always find people like you fascinating that you just, you've got like this incredible confidence and ability to just go do what, be your authentic self and you don't give a shit about what people think about it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it definitely took time because I was a lot more shy, but when I started performing and aerial actually, that really helped my confidence getting on stage and just, I felt good about myself. And then eventually it just like evolved as something that kind of like bloomed. So I think it does take time as well. But I just kind of knew early on that I love makeup. I love fashion. 
I love celebrity, you know, transformations and I love reading the gossip magazines when I was little. So it's just, it was me. Uh, when I come on stage, I'm like a Sasha Fierce, like Beyonce. When I'm on stage, the lights come on, I'm fine. <laughs> it's when I'm in my regular everyday life. I'm like, oh gosh, my midriff is showing. Oh no, my, you know, I, my cleavage is too, is too low. I'm a crazy person. But you, however, are, are obviously not nearly as prudish as I am, thank goodness. But back to like your start in medicine. So you're this artist growing up. You've got, you know, this fun style. You're doing your own thing, your own person. How do you decide of all the careers in the world to become a nurse practitioner, which is very much a, um, a I don't know, standardized kind of career, very, very rote memory kind of thing? I agree. I first, my major was chemical engineering because I actually wanted to make uh, makeup. And so I knew somebody who did that. They created for Maybelline and they were a chemical engineer. And so my brother was in engineering as well because I'm from Ohio and I went to Akron University and they're known for their engineering program. And while I was taking those classes, as time evolved, it was definitely a little bit harder with all the math. And there was a lot of men in the class as well. And so my roommate at the time was like, well, I'm doing nursing. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And my mom also kind of like talked about it too. So I actually really didn't love nursing when I was about to graduate. I didn't love going into the hospital. So I decided I would still try it out because I graduated with my bachelor's at University of Tampa and I was working at Tampa General. And so once I had a little bit more autonomy on the floor and I wasn't a student, then I kind of liked that role a little bit better. But I had realized when one of my professors had told me she was doing Botox and at that time, I really didn't hear a lot about Botox. There weren't med spas on every corner like there are today. And I was like, oh, what does that do? She's like, oh, it helps with your wrinkles. So immediately, I was like, that is what I'm doing. And so I literally enrolled in my nurse practitioner program, which at the time, Tampa General would pay for your master's degree, but you had to work full time as a nurse on the floor. So I worked seven days a week for two years <laughs> so I could get that. But you got it all paid for? They totally paid for my master's degree. So I had to work full time, which was crazy because I was doing a 16-hour shift, a 12 and an 8 while getting my master's degree. And then they wanted a year from me after. So that year, I still worked as a nurse, and I was looking for jobs. And specifically, I just wanted something I could do, the injectables. So I was looking in dermatology and I would say at that time there weren't a lot of med spa jobs, definitely no full-time jobs. So I took a dermatology position. So that's actually was my first uh, nurse practitioner job. But I would say I've always been a very caring person. I'm very empathetic. I'm a Pisces and I'm totally, if you look up characteristics, I can feel people's energy. I can feel when they're sick. 
I can feel if something's going on with them. So I, I definitely believe like the career path was perfect. And then when I realized that it was going to be a little bit more artistic when I started injecting people's faces, that's when the magic happened. Well, and you've had a, a pretty fast, I say fast, maybe not, didn't feel fast. Like I feel like in the past three years, you've been everywhere. You know, I knew who you were before, but really in the past, I think probably three years, maybe, maybe even four, I feel like you're everywhere all the time. I see you on things constantly. <laughs> so at what point, you know, you've opened your own clinic at this point, right? Your own medical spa. When did that happen? When did you decide to go branch out on your own and say, I'm just going to be a boss and, and own my own spa? So that happened last year. So after I worked for multiple med spas because at one point I could only get like part-time or a day at one med spa so at one time I was working at four different med spas <laughs> so that I could you know have more hours and it was more of a, I would say I have a little bit of like an obsession or addiction with doing it because I love it so much that I was like okay I need more people to inject and that's what really made me a great injector because each place had different products, different tools, different owners, different people coming in. So I really had to step it up because I had to be able to do whatever I needed to do with whatever was at that spa. And that's what really made me very versatile. And after I pretty much started my Instagram injector just when I was working at a chain med spa. They had like 12 locations. It was like a starter place, but you did a lot of people. So I was doing very high volume. Uh, after six months, I was number one in sales out of 12 locations. So I started really getting that momentum going. And then I went to another place where I also was very high volume and I was the only nurse practitioner there. So I was able to see all the patients coming in. So I was injecting five days a week. And I realized that I was building my own brand, which was Injector Jess and working for other people and having to kind of come into their brand and me having my own vision. It it just comes to a point where I just got too big and I had to do my own thing because your owner is going to be a little worried when their main provider is kind of getting to that point where they're known nationally and they feel like it just has to happen. And all of my Instagram friends that kind of are at the same place as me, it, it all happened for us pretty much in the same year. You know, I think what you just said is such a great lesson for people who are building their own brand. You know, I work a lot on the practice owner side. You know, with the set of record, we have so many med spas and so many clinics, and they ask a lot about that. You know, do I hire the rock star? Do I hire the person who's coming in like an injector, Jess, who has a massive following? And I'm like, well, if you do that, just know that at some point, injector Jess isn't going to be here anymore because she's built her own brand. So when you when you when you hire you know, the Sam Walton of retail to come work in your five and dime, prepare for Sam Walton to outgrow you. You know, it's just the way it works. And I think it, it takes a lot of maturity too on your end to say, you know, this is no longer the best fit for me. It's a steady income. I'm doing the hours I want to do, but I'm now going to hurt that practice if I stay. 
I'm going to hurt their brand long term and I've got to move on and now build my own brand. So there's like this point, I think, to your, you know, to what you just said, there's like this, like an intersection where you both have to decide we can't keep doing this. We're going to hurt each other long term. And I think people, they wait too long. They wait a year too long and then everyone has this massive fallout and it's, you know, you hear all the drama in the industry and -and so-and-so hates so-and-so and they can't sit together at conferences because they waited too long to make that choice. So kudos to you for knowing to get the hell out when it was time to get out because I think that's a a lesson people just, especially during COVID too, like knowing that we were going to go into shutdowns and things were going to happen and it was going to be this abysmal future, you still did it and look at you. like. Yeah, it definitely was scary. It was hard. It was all those things. And I had a lot of people coming to me too as well, like, you know, wanting to be a partner, helping me with this or buying into the practice. Cause I will say at that time I didn't have the capital as some of these big med spas did. So I was worried, like, can I do this on my own? But I started really small out of like a little salon suite. And within a couple months I was able to, you know, invest money into my new place and get a larger place. So it happened pretty quickly because I just committed and I was worried because I'm like, oh, I'm this really well-known injector and I'm injecting out of this small room. Like, are people going to say something or it doesn't look good? And nobody even cared. <laughs> it's like, they're just like, okay, I'm here, you know, do what you do. So I realized that they were coming for me and they would always kind of continue to come for me. And I think you had to get over that too as well. Cause when I left the practices, I was actually um, at two when I kind of then pulled into my own thing, I was worried cause they had all of my patient information. All, Cause as the owner, you get all of, you know, their phone numbers, their email, so they can mass uh, send them their specials and you know how it is. And I just was like, screw it. You have to do it. You know, who cares? We'll come for you if they want to. If not, you'll make new patients. I think that's the way you got to be. But, you know, the one room thing that you mentioned, it's funny because I just had this discussion last week about a person who started a med spa and they bought everything. They bought the lasers. They bought all the equipment. They, you know, they went full guns a blazing and they lived in fear for six months. Like, we're going to have to close the doors. I can't, I can't afford to like feed my family because I'm paying laser payments. I'm paying for products on the shelf and paying for all the retail. And so I think there's a part of this where for every one person like you who did it the, the, the small way, you know, to start small manageable, you have 15 more who built a, a Taj Mahal and they can't pay their bills now. So, you know, it's, you got to pick your poison, right? You got to pick the thing you want to deal with. And so I am I, a big fan of starting small, making your money, getting your profit, and then going and investing and going bigger. I completely agree. I have not got any lasers yet. I mean, maybe eventually. But as soon as I moved in, of course, everybody was asking me every week, like, oh, what else are you going to get? Are you going to hire anybody else? Are you getting other injectors? And it was like kind of bombarding me. And then I watched my other friends and of course you kind of compare a little bit like, oh, well they hired these people and they bought this and they bought that. And I just decided that I was going to stick to what I was good at. My niche is PDO threads and, you know, facial balancing. And I was just going to do that. I wasn't going to hire anybody yet because I was 
you know, learning about my new practice and how everything would go and the flow of it. So before really bringing on all these things, I really felt like it was important to at least get like a good foundation and at least like a year down at the practice. And one of the main reasons I really wanted to go on my own was so that I had the ability to travel when I wanted to. So if I want to go to a conference, if I want to, you know, finally take off and leave for a week with my family or, you know, trainings, because that was an issue, too, when I worked for people is taking those days off. And now I have the ability to do that. And, you know, it's you can run it how you want to. Yeah. So you mentioned a few a few minutes ago about having investors and people wanting to come in with you in the beginning. I find that's a very lucrative thing. At least it appears that way on paper until it isn't. I have a lot of people who are, you know, in your position, very well known that say, I want to go on my own. I want to do my own thing. And so investors come knocking at the door saying, oh, gosh, Jessica's brand's huge. If I invest in her, then I'll make all this money. And they, you know, it's very enticing in the beginning to say, I don't have the capital and you do. Let's partner up, which is we all know who are listening. That it can be a recipe for disaster. How did you decide to do it by yourself? Like, what, what was the point? And you're like, you know what? We're just going to wing it and figure this out. Um, I will say it was difficult because at one point it was every week somebody was calling me, whether it was somebody I met, you know, a couple of times before an acquaintance or, you know, my best friend just put it out there too. Cause she's very wealthy. Like she would help me as well. And I feel like deep down and my dad always told me as I would never be able to work for anybody, which was true. Because I am a true artist. I'm too creative. I have to do it my way. I just deep down knew I could not work with anybody else. Like I had to do it myself. What's been the toughest lesson you've learned being on your own now? Because I mean, being an entrepreneur, I mean, I'm, I don't own our company, but I feel like I do in many ways. It's a like today, for instance, it's been a beat down all day long. I'm so I'm so mentally exhausted. So I'm sure that you have days like that as well. What's been the thing that has been most mind boggling? Um. I would say that the biggest thing I was afraid of owning my own place was dealing with employees, <laughs> like just having to, cause I knew it's a lot. Like you have to obviously keep up with if you're booking people or, you know, paying people and just the office dynamics of girls together. So that was just a lesson in getting that all set up as well as, what kind of protection was I going to get as far as signing contracts with people that I hired and just with anybody that you're doing business with? Yeah, the legal stuff sneaks up on you. I had um, a person on our podcast, Sarah Allen, she has skin click. She's like, you know, my entire day's job is spent on consents and questionnaires and legal meetings, because if I don't have all that done, it doesn't matter what we do here. Like that has to be finished. And so I feel like that's, that's a very unsexy part of our industry is by the way, we have legal paperwork, you know, stacked two feet high. You've got to <laughs> sign and have your med mal and all your off-label stuff. And it's a lot to do. I think that's a part we forget about until you're the person whose name is on the door. And it's like, oh, crap, I have to have this done or we're not we're going to be in a whole lot of hot water. Yeah. So I would say that was the biggest lesson is that really I had to get all of, you know, the correct consents. And you need people consenting for COVID. You need them consenting for all of the different procedures. And then I realized I had influencers coming in and I had to get them to sign paperwork because you just never know. So 
Uh, now, luckily, I found a really good lawyer who is wonderful. I can call her daily if I wanted to. So that's been huge for me. Yes. Uh, note to self, guys, get a good legal team. I feel like it. <laughs> Get a good front desk person, a patient concierge to do all the things you just mentioned, the booking and the rescheduling and the, all the cat fighting, and then get a good attorney. Yes. Two things you got to have. <laughs> but transitioning here, you're you're like a top 100 injector. I mean, you're like a super famous injector in the injector lands, and you're obviously extraordinarily skilled. People who are listening know that. Everyone who knows your name. It's funny you have you need no introduction. You know, you're, you even talk Josh. It's like you're like Beyonce. You can just say Injector Jess. You know who you are, but you don't need an introduction. But you know, you've obviously become very you know high level, very skilled injector. Threads the whole thing, and now you're training. So when did you make the decision to really go all in? Because three companies is a lot to train for. To decide to be a trainer, what is the frequency of that? What are things that you you know? What do you love about doing that? Because I think people want to do it, but they're really scared of what it would mean for their mm. career. Yes. Yeah, so. When I was working for the med spa before I went on my own, she I was pretty much a Galderma account only. I did very high volume. I brought them to presidential status within less than a year. So I was a trainer for Galderma at that time. And like it was something that she felt she needed for marketing. <laughs> so so she basically was like, you're going to be this trainer. And I, I went with the role because I was like, well, I will be able to go to more conferences. And basically, I think it's good because it keeps me up to date with all of the products. You have to be involved that way, which is good because this is such a competitive industry it's constantly changing. And if you are not somebody who keeps up with it, you're going to you're going to fall away because you have to be on it. And as a trainer, it really pushes me to be a better injector as well. So I have to be able to travel to wherever. I mean, people flow me to California to train them and be presented with any patient and know how to go through the assessment and inject them. So I can pretty much do that anywhere now. I can see any person and know what to do. So I also somebody who's very laid back and relaxed and people can feel that. And I think I'm a pretty good trainer for that reason. <laughs> I've been told I'm a pretty good trainer. I, I'm guessing that you probably are a really good trainer else you wouldn't keep doing it and keep getting asked to do it. So I have a feeling that that's probably true. Exactly. So I just think it's a great way. I mean, of course, the marketing of it, that people do respect you a little bit more when they know that you train for a company and that you know what you're doing. You've used all those products for years at this point. I've used every product on the market. So well, I think that is a part of it that people get confused about. So obviously, I worked for Galderma for many years, and people become very loyal to a brand, you know, whether it's because of the personnel there or the rewards or, you know, to your point, conferences and getting to be on stage. And people become very tunnel visioned of like they can only inject that thing. That's their deal. They know they know that rheology. They know that, you know, adverse event. They know that cheap, you know, the V1, V2, V3, if it's, you know, if it's allergen. And you put them in a stage where they have to talk about something different, and they panic. You know, at running a conference, we have to do CME, right? You can't discuss the product name. You have to kind of be a little bit more universal. And it puts people in a very hot seat because they are only used to injecting whatever the thing is they train for. 
And so I feel like you have this great variety of knowledge where we can drop you off on an island somewhere and say, here's your, here's your radius. Good luck. Or, you know, here's your juvenile ultra or here's your wrestling lift. You go, oh, I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. I think that's a unique skill that we're seeing less and less of now in the marketplace. People are coming much more niched into a certain brand. Yes. I agree. And I feel like that's what really put me apart and what truly makes me a good injector and somebody who's a little bit more artistic is I can take any product you bring me and be like, okay, I'm trying it out, seeing what happens. Like, I'll put this in the lift. So I'll use this here. So that's what's fun for me is that when there is a new product out, I'm like, oh, I want to try that. I want to see what it does. So to me, that excites me. And I think it's great. Like, I love, you know, obviously the brands that I work for, they have supported me immensely being a mid-level and getting me out there. Amazing products. But you should be very versatile as an artist. You said mid-level. That's a dirty word, Jessica. We don't say mid-level here. We're, we're all on the same level. That's true. Okay. <laughs> what is the term now? <laughs> you know, I don't know. So... It's so funny because, you know, Chrissy Lennox has extenders meeting and she is an extender, but that's a, that's a bad word now too. So someone said, what do we, what do we call ourselves? Are we like advanced practitioners? Are we, you know, advanced practice providers in your APP? And that's like, that's an allergen term. So who knows what you are, but I just feel like mid-level, you know, you guys, I look at, there's like a group of you. It's like you and Audrey Rose and Injector Honey, Injector Bunny. It's Josh. It's this, you guys are like leading the industry. You know, you're moving and steering things. Whatever you guys like and whatever you guys believe in, everyone starts doing. And so I feel like as an industry, we've for so long we said you have to do research, be on podium, you know, be do these heavy hitting clinical studies. And if you do that, you'll be the one who decides what the industry does next. That's not really true anymore. It's whatever the like the ten of you say we should do, we all go do it. You know, it's like you're kind of changing the industry in a different way that mid level just seems very unfitting to what to the impact that you're having. And I think right now the, the med spa, quote unquote, med spa industry is like 68% of all revenue generated in aesthetics comes from a non-core person. And of that, more than half is, is a non-physician. So if you're listening to this and you think you're mid-level, you're not, you are, you're top level. I'll put that out there for you. But moving right along to threads, I had a call today with somebody for our conference. They're like, oh, I don't know about getting threads. Threads don't really work. Threads aren't very effective. I'd rather be injected. We all know that's not true. So tell us more about threads and why, if you're an injector listening to this, you should make cross the golden bridge to Threadland. So I learned threads because I actually, when I first started injecting, I was taught to use cannula mainly. So we were using cannula lips and cheeks, and he had 12 locations. So he was trying to keep the rate of like bruising down and any complications. So I was really good at it. I would say like when I first started posting on Instagram, there really weren't a lot of injectors on there when I started. I don't even remember anybody using a cannula. And so when I did start like getting more known and my videos were being pushed out, I think that's why is because I was a little bit more uh, forward in what I was doing. And when I got hired by one of the owners, she was like, hey, there's these PDO threads and I heard you're really great at cannula. I think it would be perfect for you. Why don't you come in once? She said once a month. So I literally go in and she's like, okay, you can work today. And after the end of the day, she's like, I want you to come every week so she could see the difference in me between her other provider 
right away and just like the volume I was doing and how much I was using. So I did my thread training. I did two people in my training. And after that, you know, you're thrown on your own, like, okay, do this procedure now. So that's what I think is hard for people is to convert from going to a training and really starting that and just committing and doing it daily. Like people get a little scared, like, should I put this here? Should I put that there? So after I started like doing it more and more, cause I really started liking it. Cause I just love the, I always love using cannula. I just think it lays the product nicely. I love the whole act of doing it. So I love doing threads and I could start noticing the lift that I was getting, which is harder to achieve with just filler only. And obviously as I've advanced over the years, I did work with a couple different thread brands. I've used, you know, multiple thread brands. I then was trained on mint. I went to like one of the symposiums for mint and I started using that. And then I could tell a difference between the lift from the threads that I was using from the prior ones and it was amazing i was like this is a crazy result i'm getting and so then i started incorporating filler with it and it's it's just blown my mind i still get like after cases like wow that's amazing like to literally change something that you probably hated for a while and be to do the procedure in less than 20 minutes for you to be a little sore for a couple days, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I've been on the fence. I want to do it. I feel like I've got really heavy brows because um, I'm I'm perpetually tired, and I just see all these incredible results that you guys get, and I just think, man, I gotta I gotta go do that because I have a face full of sculpture and a face full of filler, and I need I need more. I need you to rescue my face, basically. But you know, the, the naysayers are out there. They're, they're so. I look on Instagram and it's like a thread war every day about someone saying this doesn't work. Someone saying this works so great. And it's just like constantly. And it's a bitter, it's a bitter feud. So, you know, as I think about you, like the student becoming the teacher with Mint, you know, as you go in and train people, what are the things that, that you find? Because I think people who are listening to this are probably saying the same thing. Like, well, Jessica, how do I do it and do it well? Like, are there any tips or tricks you can give us? Like a couple, like one or two key, key ideas here to help us become better at doing threads. You have to commit to doing them. And after you do your training, start doing it, start doing it on anybody, your husband, you know, your sister-in-law, whoever you can do so that you can start getting better at it. And you have to kind of creatively think that's what's hard about threads is it's different vector patterns for each person. So that's hard for people sometimes like, oh, well, why did you change up that pattern for this person? And this person's that. So you want to really just look at the person and lift their skin like, oh, if I pulled this up here, does that look better? And keep assessing that patient after placing. So after I place a couple threads, I sit them up, see what it looks like. Okay, I need to add more in here. And so after you play with things for a while and you do it over and over and over, that's when you start realizing what it does. So I think the biggest takeaway is just to commit to using them because there are people that I train and then I leave and they just like go back to their old ways. They really didn't start using it and then they kind of lose it. 
even like one of, you know, my best friends that I train, like she, she's like, ah, I just don't do them a lot. It's just hard for me to kind of really move away from using the filler. So somebody could use a lot of filler where I'm thread lifting them because I'm basically repositioning the fat pads. Using your own fat pads as kind of that volume instead of putting more filler in. Then I'm looking at you and going, okay, where do I need to replace the volume loss? Then putting filler in. So I do things a little bit differently that way, but I feel like you don't get that look of, you know, overfilled. It looks extremely natural. So they're one of, it's more natural because people get afraid, like, am I going to look overdone with threads? It is one of the most natural treatments I do. It just looks like you better. It deposits a lot of collagen into the subcutaneous tissue. So what I really notice when my patients come back in like a month, you know, a couple months later, is that everything about their skin has changed because of that. So I believe in it because I do it every day and I see people come back. And I, like I said, I'm still blown away by what they do. Well, I think every time I hear a negative result of anything, having sold filler and toxic for so long, you'd hear, oh, you know, that doesn't work. I'm like, no, no, it works for everyone else but you. Maybe the problem is you. Maybe it doesn't work because you're not doing it correctly. I would have these discussions all the time. People would say, oh, Wrestling Lift doesn't lift the cheek, you know, whatever the product is. And I would say, you know, I don't know. I've, I've been to 20 other accounts this week and they all had great results and maybe something is wrong. So I think about threads in the same way. People who are on Instagram naysaying it typically are ones who don't do it every day. They're doing it periodically or once a month or here or there. And as all things in life, you cannot get good at something doing it sporadically. You either got to do it or don't do it. Like it's, it's just it is or it isn't. But, you know, I think what you said in the beginning about it's much more or it's a more artistic different vectors. I think about filler for so many years. And you as a trainer, I'm sure see this every day. They get these, you know, manufacturers for sure. They give them these grids or these, you know, you're going to use this line and this injection spot. You know, I use a V1, V2, V3. Lift has a contour lift in lift lines. We have the grids for Cabela. We've given like this paint by numbers for so many years on so many things that when we say, okay, your little, your paint by numbers is gone. Now you've got to really think about this artistically. I think people tend to not panic, but it's a learning curve because they're not used to having to think about, gosh, I have this whole canvas. Where do I even start with this thing? And so I think there is a difference. I think Canula had a very similar thing. When we launched Canula, I was part of that launch at Galderma and they were like, wait a minute, this isn't a needle. Like I'm used to learning on a needle. Like what do I do now? And so Canula took a long time too. I had folks who would come back and say, I've been doing it here and there, but it's too hard. I'm going to give up on it. I'm going to go back to my needles. Like, oh, if you could just commit for another two weeks and learn it, it's going to change your life. But they just couldn't get over the barrier to commit and do it. So, you know, I'm here for the threads, Jessica. I'm here for the threads. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, I agree. It really comes down to, because I have patients that are like, well, my friend said she got them and they didn't work. And there's just so many variables as well as what threads did you place? How many did you place? So that's another thing I see. People just don't put enough in because they just don't know. Um, just like with filler, you know, if you didn't put enough filler in, somebody would be like, oh, that didn't really work. I didn't really see much of a, you know, a difference. So I definitely agree with that. And I completely agree. Some people are a little stubborn in their ways and <laughs> they won't like kind of they're They just don't want to try new things. And you have to because this industry changes. So you have to be able to change with it. God is evolving at the fastest rate. And I, you know, I say a lot. 
just dealing with, again, so many people with, with our software that the training doesn't keep up. You know, we're, we're evolving so fast that there aren't enough great trainers willing right now, especially with COVID, to go out and train, that the industry is taking off and leaving our skill set or our ability to learn, our ability to get hands-on training. We've done so much with webinars and COVID and virtual, but I think it's hard to replace true hands-on, face-to-face. You sharing a patient with me, we're looking at her together, we're looking at her assessment, we're doing her threads together. I think that you can't replace that. I don't care how good your virtual is, you still need to have hands-on training. And I mean, this year alone, we've launched like, what, three products in the industry? We're, they just approved Tear Trough, I think, I don't know, last week with Allergan. So it's just going to keep going and going and going. And we got to catch up, folks. We got to get ready to, to try new things and be different. But at the same time, adverse events are changing and, you know, we're having to learn new things here. And skin of color is becoming a more thing, you know, genders and fluidity, learning how to do both. And there's just so much happening that um, it's a lot to take in. It really, it really, as a conference planner, it's a lot. To, like, we don't have enough time to cover all the topics in one conference. There's no chance we can get through all of it. So, no, I bet it. It is true. You, as a trainer, like where I can go into somebody's practice and go through, you know, eight patients with them. So the people that I've really trained, like where we were, like all day doing patients back to back with threads. They're doing amazing. One of the girls I trained like tripled her income since I left. I want to talk about that because you're a high, you said you were a very high volume producer, which I have no doubt. How, like, what is that? So if I'm a, you know, I'm a provider and you're a provider, we're in the same practice, same patient base, same everything. How come you're so much better than I am? Because I always find that to be so interesting that some people have this knack to just convince you that the things that you need, you actually need, you you should buy them. Like you actually need to have this thing done and others just can't do it. They don't have the knack for it. They're not good salespeople, if you will, or good educators. What is your secret sauce to getting people to, to buy all these things and do the treatments? I think I'm a very real person so they could feel that I'm genuine and I believe in what I do. They follow me typically on social media as well. And I post me doing the procedures. I have some people that are like, I followed you for two years and I was worried to get it. But after watching it, like, I'm ready. I've watched you do it, like, a hundred times. So they just sit there and they're like, I trust you. Do what you want to do. So that's, like, what a lot of people say is, okay, I'm here, you know, and I'll, I'll just go through with them, like, what bothers you. And then from there, I explain what I think would be best and what would give them the best result. And you have to be truthful because of expectations. So you have to let them know, like, you're going to have to continue to do this, just like dyeing your hair. Like, to keep up with pink hair, I need to go get dyed every one to two weeks. Like, if you want to do your nails, you got to keep up with that, too. So it's a commitment, and it's something that I tell them it's up to you if you want to keep up with that or not. And so I think I'm just very truthful, and I do have, like, the kind of knack to be able to talk to people about money as well. And I think some providers have a difficult time charging patients and asking them for a certain amount of money. Yeah, we ha- that's a, always a big one. It's like coming from the hospital, for sure. If you're used to working on orders, now you're in charge. You're used to having some support staff around you. Now you're the sole provider doing the charting, the check-in, the janitor work, all of it. And then also you have to ask for money too. So here's a you know a third level thing. That's a lot of people to take in. It's a much different career shift for many people. But if I'm an injector, you know, a person wanting to learn threads, do I come train with you at your office? Do you do whole day trainings? Do you fly out to my office to be with me? How does that work for you right now? 
So right now, as it's evolved, it's been a little harder for me to fly to everybody, but I still do that. So, you know, if necessary, I just have them text my assistant. And then I also do block off usually about four hours if somebody wanted to come into the office and train. So I just try to fit that in my schedule with patients and, you know, traveling for different events. So I'm trying to get them to come here a little bit more often because it does help me because it is a lot leaving my family. I have a six about to be seven year old. His birthday is next weekend. And as the practice is evolving, I'm seeing that I do need to be here a little bit more frequently. So summer I took off, you know, a couple weeks here and there, but I've been at the office like five days a week for the last couple of weeks. And I could see just like the momentum of things kind of growing. And I felt like at one point I was traveling a little too much because I wasn't able to really focus on my practice and myself. And so that is why I kind of transitioned into people coming to me more. So you're a working mama. I'm a working mama. I just thought about this this morning. My mom guilt is overwhelming. It crushes my soul some days that I have to like leave my kid at school all day and after school care and go to work. And I'm, you know, when I come home, I'm still busy working. How do you deal with all the mom guilt? Because I'm sure that you're like a super busy person with clothing lines and practices and training. Like you're as busy as I am. How do you balance that without making yourself feel like crap all day like I do? Um, I set aside time that I will hang out with him and you know of course on the weekends now I really try to do stuff with my family and put aside as much as I can you know you own a a practice you have to have (laughs) be available every day but I try to book trips where it's just family time and you just have to make it a priority if you don't make it a priority then you We'll start getting a little guilty, but it does happen. Luckily, I have an amazing partner who has always been for me, and he has no problem watching my son when I travel for any events. He's always, like, so supportive, like, go do that, hon. I think you should go. And I see other women where their husband's, like, they can't even leave for two hours because <laughs> they're calling them where... My partner lets me, like, do what I need to do to be where I'm at today. Honey, that's why I'm divorced right there. You just nailed it. Because <laughs> I couldn't. No, I've got a great one now. Boy, it was a rough go for about seven years there. But I think what you just said about having a partner is so true. And even in business, you know, I think about at work, having a great person who's always there, you know, your steady Eddie at home and life, assistants, whoever, you got to have people on your team who are rooting for you and who are making it easier for you to do the things you have to do, not harder. And I think, unfortunately, for women for women who are young and successful, it's often people making it harder for us. They like to put barriers in front of us, but you've got it figured out with a good partner. So uh, if he has any brothers, have him call us. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to pimp you out on, on our podcast, I promise. But yes. I'll post his story. Yes. Just so you guys know, he had our camera all set up for her. He had made sure everything was perfect for her so that she could start her podcast. So he definitely is clutch, no doubt about it. Well, as we kind of wind wind down our back half here, uh, I do want to talk about Botox Dealer because I have been, I need to buy one of your shirts. They're so cute. But I see you on the, with Erica doing things, Erica Berry, you, her people get your shirts on her her Patreon channel. You've got them kind of everywhere. 
is this thing still going? Is it going? It looks like it's growing. You're getting more and more things in your store. Tell us all about that because I think it's super fun. And I want to I want to become a Botox dealer. I want to wear your shirts. Yeah. So the Botox dealer, I one day because I was big into yoga, there was a shirt and it said yoga dealer. And so I was like, I want to make Botox dealer. So I literally like made the shirt, put injector dress on it. And I'm in Tampa. So I go out here and there and would be wearing the shirt. And like people would be coming up to me like, oh, you do Botox? Like it was just very catchy and nobody had it. So of course, like shortly after I posted them, I saw a local like person that also owns a plastic surgery center make the same shirt <laughs> with their name on it and i was like nope i'm the one who started this so i was like i'm going to mass produce them and post on my instagram and show you so i did and they were such a hit all of the girls like posted for me i had like people asking me from other countries to ship on so it started to get a little bit much because you know it's another <laughs> thing that you have to keep up with sending orders so my wonderful partner was packaging <laughs> all of the shirts sending them out and with training so I started to when I was doing training so one of the trainings I did in Canada there was like 12 girls and I brought them with me because she was like please bring them she bought them all for the girls. It was so cute. We did this like big photo all wearing them. And so I decided like, wow, I should really like incorporate this. Anytime somebody trains with me, they get a shirt. So Erica does Patreon, which I don't know how she keeps up with that. So I tried to do Patreon too, and I couldn't keep up with posting every week. So she wanted to give her people uh a t-shirt if they were with her for uh, I think like six months or something like that as a you know a present and so I started like shipping them to her she eventually converted to doing her own because I got too busy to keep up with it but I still have some I made like uh, tie-dye ones that say lip dealer they're super cute and that is something that still I think I will definitely as I grow a little bit more and have more staff that can help because I've always obviously loved fashion and kind of keep up with something that has to do with like injectors so but thank you just hire an extra body <laughs> you know it's no big deal hire an extra person on there you'll be fine <laughs> as a person who hires people that's not true hiring another person is like getting a new family it is so much you know it's a lot of work onboarding and teaching and training and but no, I think it's it's such a um, I hate the word cute, it's a terrible word, but they are so they're so stinking cute. Like you want to wear them because to your point, people are like, oh my gosh, Botox either it makes total sense to them. But yes, I agree with you. The Patreon channel, how do they have the energy for that? My gosh, between their TikToks, their Instagram, seeing patients in their clinic, trainings, doing all these webinars and things, and also doing that as well, I I just get tired thinking about it. I really do. It amazes me. I mean, that's what I think about when I look at some of my friends. I'm like, how do they keep up with all this? And I like you're saying, it's like looking and people think that about me. And I feel like I'm behind. I'm not getting everything done. There's just so much to do. Obviously, I would love everything and be on every platform, but like you said, you have to hiring people is a lot of work. The more employees you have, the more work it is. 
And when I was having one of my assistants, like doing all the t-shirt stuff, I was having her run around like half the day doing this. And I'm like, okay, I got to reel it in and have us focus on, you know, my med spa and the injection. So, but you kind of figure it out and what you like to do. And I, I would like to say I was one of the first injectors on TikTok too, as well. Cause I remember being on the platform and not really anybody was on it and just like making my videos and posting them to Instagram. I have definitely went through a lot because when my Instagram got hacked, I also had an issue with my TikTok too. So I was like getting millions of views on my videos and then all of a sudden I was like blocked. I couldn't post for two weeks. And then once that block came off, because people can report you, they could say there's blood in the video or it was, you, you never know. Anybody can report things, which I think needs to change because your competitors can report videos, posts, and Instagram just uses like this bot that goes through and decides what it wants to do on that level. It's not even people looking at it. So I had that issue trying to figure out with TikTok too, what was going on. Well, you know, I think what you just said though is true for medical and nursing boards also, the competitors. That's why I'm such a, a fanatic about having all your paperwork done is because I think the same exact thing that they do to you, they, they like come at you from all angles, right? They go after your Instagram, they call the nursing board and say, Jessica's doing things incorrectly. She's breaking rules. She's not doing this right, that right. And they have to come in and they have to investigate, right? They have no choice. If it's medical or nursing boards, they have to come in and they have to question you, look at all the things, you know, turn over all the leaves. So you have to have everything so buttoned up because if God forbid they found something, you know, inadvertently that you just didn't even know you, you were doing, then it's your head on a stick. You know, that's we have, I think right now, because you said it's so competitive here in the marketplace, it's so competitive that there is no room for error right now, like zero room for error. And I think Instagram, like it's weaponized because like for you, that's a massive part of your brand, your following. Like it's, you know, you, you've got an Instagram following that's like monetizable to a very large level and just to have it shut down. I mean, someone's messing with your livelihood, you know, and they can do it because to your point, there is no accountability there. It's like some anonymous person says you're doing something wrong and they have to investigate it and shut you down. I find it baffling as well that they, they have no one to no one to answer to. No, it's true. It was definitely devastating. It was hard. And then I had to go through like the emotions of, well, you know, your Instagram isn't everything, your social media, like you're more than that. You're an amazing provider. People will still come to you for referrals. But of course, like I use it for a platform for trainings and national and international level. And so that was the hardest part of it. But I was amazed by the support that I got from so many different people. Like I had Dr. Subio reposting me and just, you know, Shino Bay. So it really made me feel so loved and I was starting to really like like okay it's not coming back and one day I went to log in after I really stopped trying because I couldn't get a hold of anybody because it was when the election stuff was happening with Trump so I found out that nobody was really in the office and Instagram answering anything <laughs> and I happened to have it happen during that time so I just had to wait and you just had to have faith. And I tried reaching out to so many different people that I knew to help me. And it was a dead end. And then I knew some people had happened to and they got it back the next day. 
So it was really hard. I had to wait months. And during that time, there was a lot of people saying stuff to me like, oh, you know, so-and-so might have reported you or this person might have reported your post. Because I guess I'm not a person like that. I'm not a mean person. I am competitive in a level of, like where I want to be my best self, but I, I don't think about doing anything mean to people like that because I'm creative and I know that I'll just fall into something <laughs> and it will be new and fresh. So I don't worry about that. But when I realized that, I was like, that is true. I can't believe that people will stoop bellow, but it's it's hard to see what it was at this point, but I got it back. I wasn't doing anything wrong, so. Well, I thought you must have been pro-Trump. I said, you know, she must have she must have posted some pro-Trump stuff because they shut her down. Because <laughs> during the election, when it got shut down, was, was it you just saying a pro-Trump thing or a vaccine, yeah, COVID thing, and they all got shut down. But yeah, I think what you just said something that I think kind of piqued my interest about. I don't worry about everybody else and what they're doing. I'm, you know, I'm creative. I'm the same way. I'm not a malicious person. I feel like if I ever have to steal or cheat or lie my way to success, the guilt would eat me alive. I have a guilty conscience anyway. I can't. If I do anything wrong, I would go tell you that isn't wrong. Like, I'm like, Jessica, I did this thing wrong to you, and, I, and I'm so sorry because I, I couldn't live myself. And I don't think people understand that you can get ahead in life and not have to be a bad, you know, a bad apple. You don't have to do these things that are malicious or terrible to other people. There's enough wrinkles in the world, honey. There's enough, you know, bulldog lower faces, double chins, you know, droopy tear troughs. Like, we got enough problems out there for all of us. I, mean, I don't inject, obviously, but for all of us to, to join in and partake in the industry without having to cut each other's knees off. Especially as we think about women supporting women, right? We say that all the time. Women supporting women, community over competition. And then we, you know, when it comes down to it, they report you to Instagram and try to get your livelihood taken away. You know, it's just such a double standard that I sometimes am so baffled by. Because um, we're a very female-heavy industry, obviously. We see it more often here because it is so female-dominant. But I'm glad that you got it back because I enjoy your Instagram and your TikTok. So I'm happy that you got it back. So that's good news. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Well, I'm going to kind of wrap us up with, you know, I, I was just, I'm on your Instagram on my computer here as we're talking about, you know, you had this quote this week that really struck struck me about, you know, the busy people are most responsive. And I think about rubber bands, the more you stretch them, the more they stretch. You know, you're a very busy person and you're very responsive and you're on top of things and you're doing it all. Give us some tips on how to survive. Like, what do we do as an industry, as people who are coming up, you know, new injectors, experienced practice owners to just survive and keep growing and thriving? Well, I took every opportunity that I was asked. So, of course, it's tiring. <laughs> you work all the time. You work every day. But every time I was invited somewhere, any, you know, training I could do, anytime I could learn something new or meet somebody new, I would always take it no matter what. And I think that really helps in just getting yourself out there, meeting as many people as you can. The more knowledge you have, you know, the better you're going to get. So it's just one of those things that you got to work hard at. And I do think that the ones that really kill it in this industry are the hardest workers. So Yeah, I'd agree. It's funny this year of the conference because, you know, I think – as you know, you have all these faculty, right? There's 80 people as faculty. It's, you know, it's a lot of people. And I had several folks reach out this year that wanted to become part of the faculty. I'm like, you know, great. I sent back a note of, here's what you're going to be able to do. Here's, you know, the idea. 
well, that's not good enough. I want something different. Like you've never spoken in a conference in your entire life. You've never been on a podium ever in your life or trained another person ever in your life. And I'm coming to you with this incredible opportunity and you're telling me that it's not it's not good enough for you. Like it shocks me because I see people like you, you know, Josh starting out, all of you guys, you took opportunities wherever you had them to get better, to get your name out there, to learn how to speak and train in front of people. It's like everyone who's successful at some point had to start at the bottom, right? And kind of do the grunt work and learn and build and grow your brand and so I think as, as people look at you, they think that you're like this overnight success, like, oh, you're starting out as this high-level person. But I'm sure you did many things that were less than glamorous that you wouldn't do now, obviously, but you did back then because you had to build a brand. So if you're listening, guys, take what you can, you can, know, take the chances that you can get right now to, to grow and build your brand because I feel like it, it all pays off in the end. But there's some snooty folks out there, Jessica, snooty people who are who their egos won't fit in the door. It's shocking to me. And they haven't earned it yet. No, I agree. I'm big about having to earn it. So even like my staff know, I'm like, you got to show me that you're putting in the work. And once you do, then I will reward you. So I'm somebody who keeps my word with that. But I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing, too. Because I do think that the younger ones coming up see like, oh, I could just post something and maybe tomorrow I'm going to be famous and do this. But even then, the act of what we do, it just takes time to really understand it. And I really do believe, because I've had people come, uh, whether they're calling me about trainings, they literally never injected. They wanted me to train them. They said they're opening their med spa next month. And I'm like, you're telling me you never (laughs) injected and you're opening a med spa? So I do think people think that this is like easy and anybody can do it. But it's more of like a needle in a haystack if you're going to be one that gets to this point because of all of the hard work, years and years of hard work that you have to put in. Yeah, they open up as fast as they close down. You see that a lot too, right? The turnover is really, really high in the industry. And to the point that you made in the beginning, they're left with a laser. They're left with a big building and a rent payment. And now they're not in business anymore. And so I think that's part of the risk too starting out is if you go a little too big in the beginning and you're not ready yet, you've not caught up yet to what you've purchased and your skill set, it's a hard road to the beginning. But um, yeah, I, I like the idea of like having to earn it. And to your point, people who... I think about college professors. I was a college professor for many years after I'd you know finished with grad school and PhD school and, and things. And the person who's at the front of the lectern in a professor role or at a college has had to take years of classes and years of classes to ever get to be able to be the teacher. You know, even in a high school, junior high, to be the teacher, you take a lot of classes to become the expert in the topic. But for some reason in our industry, it's like, nah, I've been injecting for two weeks. I think I'm going to be a trainer now. I'm good to go. And I, and I just beat my head against the wall, not because I, I love the zest, I love the zeal for it, like they're excited about it, but I feel like it leads to a lot of people training that shouldn't be, and there's a lot of danger in that, adverse events, bad outcomes. And as we all know, one bad outcome is our entire industry gets a black eye for it. You know, I, I just think that there's a risk for all of us if people who are training haphazardly are not prepared for it and don't have the skill set to do it. So, you know, I, I have a whole different, that's a whole different podcast. It's probably a, a TED Talk if you want to see it, but... <laughs> It just makes me crazy. Yes, you need to be humble. Know your limits. Well, tell us what's next for you. Where do we see you next? What podiums are you on? What trainings are you doing? How do we find out your schedule? Well, I really wanted to focus on being at my practice more for this busy season coming up. But I do have some events with MERS coming up and just, you know, with my private trainings and 
I don't know if I'm actually on any uh, speaking, but I'm trying to figure out which ones I want to do. So I don't have definite dates yet on them, but you know how it is. The lady has choices. She's got all the choices. I'll always post about it, obviously, what I'm doing. Well, tell us if we don't already know, which we all should, and if we don't, shame on us, but tell us how to find you on Instagram and on your website. Okay, so Injector Jazz and at Lux Injectables is my med spa, which I started growing when Injector Jazz went down. So luckily now that one's almost at 13,000 followers. So I have both of them, which is amazing. And uh, you can also go to, you know, luxinjectables.com yeah guys go check it out go check out her personal site because it is so stinking adorable the picture of her and that i don't know jess it's so cute i don't know i'm i'm so jealous of your personal site because i could never be that cool but anyway i digress but you've been a great guest for the record we've loved having you on today and i'm i'm fascinated by you how hard you're working all the things that you're doing and i'm thrilled that you chose to come on to our show today i'm very very happy about that thank you for having me yeah we'll, we'll put all of your instagrams on our comment section so you guys can see it all Go give her a follow. Not that she needs one. Trust me, she's got plenty. But go give her a follow. And we'll be looking for your next big podium so we can all come out and see you and support you. Great. Yes. Maybe I'll uh, be at one of your next uh, conferences. Yes, ma'am. You know what? If it's off of your busy season, come on down. We'd love to have you anytime. Yes, I would love to. All right. We will see you guys all next week for another episode of For the Record. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of For the Record. This podcast is not intended to provide legal or medical advice. It's for entertainment, education, and information purposes only. For more information on this week's guest or to get started with Aesthetic Record, email us at info at aestheticrecord.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more fresh perspectives on disrupting the status quo and surviving in the aesthetics industry.